Eight newcomers were selected to represent Team USA in the forthcoming Tokyo Olympic men's water polo draw. One of them is the first ever from Nevada. Ben Stevenson took a less traveled path via Reno, Sacramento, Las Vegas, Stockton, Europe, to earn a spot on a team that just earned silver at the World League Superfinal. Here's the new Olympian, Ben Stevenson. Ben Stevenson is one of eight first-time Olympians and the first ever American water polo player from Nevada to make an Olympic roster. He just completed a season with Glafada. I'm going to pronounce that in the best possible Greek accent that I can. Uh, in the Greek A1 League, after a standout All-American career at the University of Pacific, he joins me and the man with the hat, Michael Randazzo, today via Zoom. Ben Stevenson, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. Well, first of all, it's an obvious thing. Congratulations. You've been selected to the Olympic team and I won't deny it. It's a bit of a surprise for me, just not, not necessarily because I thought that you shouldn't be on it, but it was just simply a beautiful surprise. I can only assume that it's a big deal to you in general, but I just, let's jump right into the specifics. Does it matter to you as much as it does to other people that you're the first one from Nevada? Um, well, I'm definitely proud of where I'm from, um, and I've been working towards uh, this goal for a long time, so uh, it's a big deal for me, definitely. Um, yeah, and I'm just proud, proud to represent my city and country and family, yeah. It's... it's a great honor, obviously, to be an Olympian. And you know, you've joined a group that you're now part of that August group. What were the kind of emotions? I mean, you've been working towards this goal for, uh, I'm going to say, four or five, six years. And so you just you personally, and also your family, um, the, the, the coaches that uh, got you there, your, your fellow teammates throughout, you know, UAP, uh, Nevada, and so on. Can, can you just take us through that sort of emotional, like, hey, after all this time, all this effort, you, you've achieved uh, one step of an, a, a dream, which is to be an Olympian. Uh, yeah, definitely. Hearing um, your name called on that 13-man roster um, definitely made me feel really proud, um, definitely of uh, where I'm from and all the hard work I put in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. And, and was there any sort of surprise? Because it's a competitive situation, right? It's not a guarantee that you're going to be one of those 13. So uh, I, again, what was that sort of emotion? Was it a bit of like, oh, oh my gosh, this is really happening? Or, hey, damn, this is what I deserve because I've really put in the time and the effort. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I put in a bunch of hard work, so I feel like uh, I deserve to be here and I'm confident about it. But um, um, yeah, it definitely feels good. And um, yeah, proud to be here. Let's let's talk about your story a little bit because uh, you, there's been a lot of publications on 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 how you arrived at where you are. But I suspect that there's a lot of listeners who just won't understand what it looks like. So you are from Reno, Nevada. There is no, essentially no high school water polo there. There's club high school water polo um, that you picked up according to what I've read uh, in high school. So you love the sport enough that you begin to commute to Sacramento. And if people don't know that, that's at least three hours of a drive. Do I have this part of the story correct? Um, yeah, for the most part. So I started um, playing, there was a county water polo team um, in Reno, Nevada, um, when I was in high school that, um, we had, uh, enough guys that would go down 
for uh, maybe like four tournaments a year down to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And um, then we would train with the club team and do swim swim team um, for the remainder of the year. Um, so when I got into high school, I also got involved with uh, the Olympic Development Program, and uh, I got to meet Sandy Nita down in Las Vegas, um, and she really helped my development. And um, I would also, yeah, you're correct about the Sacramento thing. I would also commute to Sacramento um, maybe two to three times a week. Um, during the school year and then I would also go down and um, live with one of my friends who was also on the team uh, for for a couple of the summers and then I would play JS with them so yeah I was really just trying to find um, as much practice as I could to try to develop my skills and so let me let me ask about the high school part again. So these are a, this is a collection of high school aged boys. I'm assuming that play for a countywide squad. You'd come to California. You'd play in tournaments as that county squad. Is that do I have that right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. How did so the rest of them picked it up in a similar way that you did? You know, you, they just basically were you. You weren't part of an aquatics program. You played all these other sports beforehand, from my understanding. Um, did everybody else sort of pick up in the same way? They just hopped in the pool and found out they really liked it. Um, yeah, well, they would mainly recruit um, the swimmers from the area. So sure. uh, Reno Aquatics Club um, is the club that I swam for growing up. And so I was pretty adept in the water. And then uh, when they put a ball in my hand, I just kind of fell in love with it. What was it about San Anita that uh, prepared you for the Olympics? Um, she um, really inspired me and instilled confidence um that um that i could go out and compete with all the other national team players and all the kids from california um so uh, she really did that with all the kids in the club and uh it's kind of evidenced by um one year at jails we ended up getting ninth which was a pretty big deal for an out-of-state program i guess but um but yeah and and she's I've spoken to uh, Coach Nita a couple of times. I've never met her, unfortunately. Um, she is, I would say, it is a personality. She has um, a lot of passion. She has tremendous experience. And what, what's interesting, and she's already put it on Twitter, is that uh, in 64, she um, got to go to Tokyo as a swimmer. How much does her experience, both um, getting to the Olympics and succeeding there, representing her country, and you know all the coaching acumen, all the sort of background. Again, how does that sort of help you, Ben Stevenson, now to uh, not only be an Olympian but but be prepared to to, to represent your country uh, in you know the top tournament uh, that you can play in? Uh, yeah, so her going to Tokyo kind of evidence is that she was uh, also a competitive athlete and. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think she ever lost that competitive drive and uh, it's shown in her players that she passes that off to. Uh, she's a great trainer and great motivator. Um, loves water polo. And um, yeah, I can't thank Sandy enough. And, and what did she say when you, she got the news? I mean, I assume you've spoken to coach Anita and, and had some, any thoughts. Uh, we're not going to bring her on the podcast, obviously, but you know, if you want to relay anything. Um, um yeah, yeah. She, I gave her a call. She was proud and um, told me to go out and do my best. And um, yeah, uh, UOP um, is Stockton, California, Sacramento. For you know, those of us who are from California, it's the same place. Stockton, Sacramento. Anyway, uh, yeah. that uh, did that play? I, I'm, did, I'm not so sure that I'm not so sure the guys from NorCal would agree. I know, 
I know they won't. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, they. This is a. This is a, again a campus that's essentially just over three hours from your home. Is that what played a role in choosing it? Now, obviously, you had James Graham uh, on the other end of that as well. So th that's a pretty decent combination of uh, positive factors, I'd, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, being close to home was definitely uh, obviously a good thing. But I would say. Uh, James Graham really drew me uh, to Pacific with um, his um, uh, with his love for the game and just his um, sorry analytics like, analytics his desire yeah yeah obviously his analytics and um, yeah oh his passion yeah so he was really passionate about it and uh, that kind of rubbed off on me and uh, showed me that if I went there he'd be as passionate about it as I would. And um, so, yeah, and he's a super hard worker just like I am. So uh, kind of fit pretty well. Two UOP athletes on the, the Olympic team this year. That must be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Me and Alex Obert um, actually both played for Sacramento water polo club as well in high school. Mm -hmm. So um, going from Sac polo to Pacific together to um, now the, the 2021 Tokyo Olympics is, is awesome. Um, I, I want to ask you about your European career as well. So obviously have, uh, I would argue that uh, the fact that so many of the American men have played overseas this past year, at least if not longer, has had a, a huge influence on how successful they've been so far. That includes you. So you played for Glyfada. That's in the A1 league. It's one of the highest leagues in the, in, in Europe. Um, I'm actually curious about the sort of technical part, which is what's it like to join a team like that? You're an American, you're sort of a fish out of water. When you show up, is it that they just put the full on embrace on you? Or do you have to prove yourself that as an American, do they trust you? Do they not? What, what's, what was that whole process like for you? Um, well, obviously going into any new team, you kind of have to, um, feel out the situation and all, all teams are different, obviously, but so the language barrier is probably the, the first biggest step that you have to get over. And then, um, yeah, fitting in with the team, finding your role, everybody's different, but, um, I would say most of the guys, uh, most of the foreigners that these teams bring in, um, are pretty good. And so, um, they kind of find their role pretty quickly and, uh, the coach can uh, use them how he like he, how he would like to. So, so yeah, it's not, it's not too hard. Yeah, tell tell us about that language issue because especially Greek, it's not as though that's taught in American high schools very often. So, how do you personally overcome that as quickly as possible? Uh, well, thankfully, a lot of the guys um, from my Greek team and Spanish teams um, knew some English, so uh, they're really helpful in uh, in learning new words and. Um, once you kind of um, are around the team for maybe like a month or so, you kind of um, are able to figure out all the, all the water polo terms in Greek or Spanish that you need to. And then it, it becomes pretty easy from there. But, but yeah, it's, it's always a learning process. I just want to jump in on what James was talking about being the American and um, not just the geopolitical stuff, which I'm sure we could spend hours on, but more to the point is that you're, you're measured by, in some ways, a different standard, right? You're coming from outside of Europe. And is there a bit of, hey, this guy is here because someone wants him to be here? Or is it like, hey, 
you need to deliver and be as much a part of what we're doing as everybody else, because we're here to win. How did that play out for you and sort of the expectations and really the pressure of, of going and playing and competing and succeeding with another club? Um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely some pressure, but, um, I mean, it's not, it's not too hard to kind of shrug it off when, when you're, uh, one of the best players on the team. I don't know. You kind of fit in pretty easily when, um, they want you there and can kind of, and you kind of know what you're doing, I guess, because water polo is a pretty simple language, I would say. You're saying you're one of the best players on the team. Yeah. I guess I am. <laughs> well, look, that, that can be taken different ways, but I think that's a, a matter of confidence. And the fact that you are one of the best players on a European team says something about the, what you've accomplished in a very short period of time, I would say. So uh, you're right. Success speaks volumes, does it not? Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of which, uh, you just returned. You, I, you might still be jet lagged for all we know from Tbilisi. Um, I have to say one of the most I've been watching American water polo at the uh, international level since 1980. One of the most entertaining games I can remember is your game against Italy semifinals in the world league championships. Um, walk us through a little bit of your experience in that game. Um, even as a spectator, because it was, uh, it was wild. It was wild. And it, you, in the Americans were on this razor's edge for much of the game where it could go either way, at least from the, from our perspective. Is that yours as well? Um, yeah, yeah. It was a really competitive game. Um, our coach told us, um, that we needed to be confident going into the game. I think, uh, that really showed and I think we need to carry that into uh, the Olympics going forward um, but yeah it was a really close game um, I think we're really talented so we should be able to compete with these guys every time and try to beat them to be honest um, but in that game there were a couple of uh, exclusions there was one game exclusion so it's kind of a kind of a crazy game fun game and uh, and yeah we came up came out on top so we're definitely happy with the result. We've reached the end of the first half of our conversation today and we'll return in just a moment. All of Total Water Polo is brought to you advertising free and we'd like to keep it that way. So we're asking for your help. Show your support by going to totalwaterpolo.com forward slash give so we can continue to cover the sport we all love in the United States and beyond. And now part two of today's conversation. And not for nothing. I mean, you shut down an Italian team. That's, I don't know if they were one of the top scoring teams in the world. I wouldn't say that, but, but I think they had one goal to four. It was a four, one differential in the second half, which I, I mean, you know, talk, talk again about that. Cause it seemed that from the defensive side, not only were you able to stop them, it, it helped feed your offensive uh, opportunities and, and was clearly a difference maker. Uh, yeah, they're definitely a great team. I think, uh them having the brutality made it pretty easy for us on defense since we were playing man up um, for a quarter of the second half. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we, we were locked in and we were ready to go and we're backing down from them. So yeah, I think we should expect that going forward. How many of those guys do you know? Uh, the Italians. Well, and, and I'm also speaking Montenegrins, anybody of any of the teams you played against, I'm, a, I'm assuming the exception would be a, a team like Japan. I mean, you're not going to, they're not, they don't have a foothold in Europe like the rest, but your experience now over a couple of years has been in Spain and Greece. 
you're going across paths with many of these international players, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of the guys in uh, a lot of the other European players, we, we run into a lot. So we kind of have uh, a, uh, not, I mean, I'm not super friendly. I mean, I'm not super good friends with them, but we are friendly, I guess, um, outside of the pool. But when uh, we get in the pool, it's, uh, we're trying to take them out, I guess. Does having crossed paths with them help you at the Olympics, for example, or a tournament like the one you just participated in, as opposed to never having experienced them and never having played in Europe before? Uh, yeah, yeah. Playing against um, all these guys is really good because you get to know some of their uh, habits and tips and tricks, and um, so we so we can better prepare for that. Uh, when the Olympics comes up. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely helpful. Well, and I, I would say that there's going to be a comparison depending on how you do, obviously in Tokyo with the 2008 squad, which similarly had so many of their players that had that opportunity to play in Europe, prepare against uh, what was essentially going to be their Olympic competition and go into a tournament with the confidence, which isn't always the case for Americans. Just talk about that, because as James points out, so many Americans, especially at a time when you couldn't play in the States, right, because of COVID restrictions, you got to go to Europe, you got to play with some of the best teams in the world, uh, professional teams, and, and you got to play. So you've alluded to this, but but again, that confidence factor, the familiarity, you, you know exactly who you're going to be facing um, outside of Japan, I suppose. Um, even that's an experience that you've already had uh, going into the uh, Olympics in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, definitely. I think uh, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So um, just all the extra competition and training that we were able to get over this past year, um, like every single person pretty much played overseas, which is really helpful, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, just everybody getting better and always keeping that competitive edge, I think will, will help us out a lot in the Olympics. So, yeah. How did Coach Udovicic sort of keep in contact with you? You guys were spread out over the entire uh, European continent. So was there regular Zoom connections or you, you sort of had a general program? Uh, and, you know, again, how does this, because when you're kind of, far flung, if you will, um, still the tether is going to be, in this case, I suppose, Zoom, but to, to communicate with your coach, who obviously has to orchestrate everything um, for for uh, the tournament in Tokyo. Uh, yeah, definitely. We were all keeping in touch through Zoom. So we would have uh, weekly meetings, mm -hmm. um, just checking in, seeing how everything was going. And um, yeah, and during COVID, before we, we, all, we all went over, we were having... Um, like weight sessions and yoga sessions through Zoom as well. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're all pretty locked in. And, and that worked well. You felt that that was an effective means, given, again, the goal is to be at uh, peak performance uh, um, in late July. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think everybody going overseas was definitely helpful, and uh, we were all able to keep in touch. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was a good situation for us. Why'd you get selected? What is it about your skills that uh, the coaching staff saw? Uh, well, I think I am uh, pretty well-rounded. I can do uh, pretty much anything the team needs me to. And I am pretty um, determined and competitive, I think. So there's a, there's a bunch of things that got me selected, I think. But uh, I think I deserve to be here for sure. And I'm ready to compete for sure. When did you know you were good? Um, I knew I could be good and compete at this level 
Um, well, probably since my junior year in high school, I guess. I thought mm-hmm. I could be, I could reach this level. So, um, yeah, I was just working towards that and trying to get better every day um, to get here. And being here uh, kind of reaffirms my belief and feels pretty good. I was at the tournament in Berlin in 2018. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to meet you. I apologize. I should have spoken to you then. Um, oh, it was it was a revelation for me. And I would say that based on that performance and some conversations I had with uh, your coach, um, there was, a, a, if you will, a chain reaction. McQuinn Barron quit. Alex Rosler quit. It seemed that there was some... Um, I don't want to use dissension. That's too strong a word, but, but there were some rough edges at that point. And my impression of, of you and your involvement is as someone who was always there rock solid in your commitment to um, supporting your teammates, showing up for practice and, you know, being an athlete that was going to do whatever it took to, to, to get to um, the Olympics. Can, can you talk about that time? Cause I think that was a pivotal moment in this team's development. Uh, obviously, again, you lost your top goaltender. Uh, Rosler was very valuable. I thought in certain instances, you're now dealing with uh, having two great options, uh, Holland and, and Wolf, but, but talk about your sort of understanding of that time. And sort of, as you see things have now played out and guess what you're an Olympian going to Tokyo. Um, yeah, that was an interesting tournament for us. Um, we obviously didn't do as well as we would have liked to, but, um, just personally, it was a good experience for me being in, uh, one of my first big international tournaments. And, um, so yeah, that was a good experience for me. And, um, yeah, I can't speak for those guys, but just for myself, I, uh, um, I was trying to do my best to help the team win. And um, yeah, maybe it wasn't for those guys, but I mean, yeah, after that tournament, obviously, but, um, but yeah, I'm happy to be here still. Well, and, and just again, to follow up, because it seems like, and I, I don't know you personally, you seem really nice. I love the haircut, of course, but yes. that you're the kind of player who is, again, going to do whatever it takes and, and you can be as reliable and as steady and, and obviously as someone who's going to develop in a way that was going to be really beneficial to this team and its prospects going forward. Uh, yeah, definitely. I would say that's accurate about me. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help the team win. Um, so, yeah. When do you leave for Tokyo and which remind us your first game? So we play Japan in Japan for our first game. Um, we head out, uh, on the 19th, I believe to fly over there. Um, so yeah, playing Japan in Japan should be a good game. I'm not sure if they're, they will have the Japanese, uh, spectators there, but, um, we'll be ready regardless. You'll be ready for one of the strangest, most amusing and fun teams to watch on the entire planet. I love the Japanese team, except when they're playing the USA. That is Nevada's first USA Olympian uh, on the American water polo team. That's Ben Stevenson. Ben, thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. That's it for today. We'll return soon with more of the Total Water Polo Podcast, but thank you for listening and telling a friend about us. And of course, subscribe and do all that podcasty stuff on most of the biggest uh, distribution channels. Also, go to TotalWaterPolo.com forward slash give to help us remain advertising free. And while you're there, go check out our collection of Total Water Polo and TX Water Polo goodies. 
by clicking gear at the top of the menu. Until next time, so long from Austin, Texas. This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.